All right. Welcome back to Journalistic Integrity. It is Monday, February 14th, and Super Bowl 56 is in the books. Kind of crazy there's only been 56 Super Bowls when you look at how big of an event it is now. 100 million plus people watching it. But the Rams hold on to win 23-20. And it was a good game, but you know, is it just me or did this Super Bowl feel odd? It felt kind of like unfulfilling type game. I don't know if it was the way that it ended, kind of just out of nowhere, incomplete pass, ball game. It didn't seem like a team went out and won the game. Or maybe it was the announcers, Al Michaels. There wasn't a ton of energy coming out of the broadcast booth. Or maybe it was the introduction by The Rock. And he went on for like two minutes saying all this like Michael Buffer, like let's get ready to go type stuff. And at some point with the Super Bowl, we crossed the line from it being like a football game to like just a full-blown like spectacle event. And I always lean towards, I just want to watch the game. I don't care about all the extracurriculars. Give me my meat and potatoes. Give me a football. Give me a blown up leather football. Give me a block of grass, some white lines, some orange sticks at the beginning of the end zone, and let's roll the ball out and play some football. But it was kind of spectacly and and just a couple things that were a little strange. It almost felt like a movie when The Rock was on, and I, and I felt like Bane was about to walk on, grab the mic, and then the the field was going to split in half during a kick return. That's what it felt like at the beginning. And so what I want to do is run through. I've got 11 points on the Super Bowl, 11 takeaways that I want to run through. And let's start on a similar note with the final call of the game. This goes in line with kind of just the weird feeling. It didn't feel like a Super Bowl. And that goes to the Al Michaels call at the end of the game. And let's go ahead and play that. P. Ryan had a shot at it? That's the takeaway from that play? No, it's the Rams literally just won the Super Bowl with that incomplete pass. I thought Al Michaels completely missed the moment. And when you look at these big moments in the Super Bowl, these are the clips, the end of the game, the Malcolm Butler interception, the David Tyree, Mario Manningham, all of these plays, all of the announcers and the sound of that play lives on forever. And that just completely missed the moment. Let's play the rest of the clip. Wait, celebrate the defensive play? No, Al, I think they're actually celebrating that they just won the Super Bowl. And this was this was such a strange stretch for Al Michaels. Normally good, normally great, but this end of the game was not great. And it looks like Al Michaels is going to be leaving NBC for Amazon to work with Troy Aikman on those Thursday night games next year. And so this was his last call on NBC. Not the best way to go out, in my opinion, for Al Michaels. Normally good but I thought he missed this one here. Okay, number 10, Odell Beckham Jr. was fan nothing short of fantastic with the Rams. In the regular season, in the postseason, he gets injured, and it was a big difference maker. We saw that interception off of Skroneck's hands on that in route, and it looked like Stafford threw it in the right spot, but Skroneck didn't run the, the in route flat enough. He kind of veered back and wasn't able to get to it off his hands, intercepted. That's where OBJ is if he isn't injured, and... He's a difference maker. He's really good. The only problem is he's been getting hurt a ton the past four or five years. And I think we had Reed on in November or whenever this trade went down. And 
or whenever Odell signed with the Rams and Reed was like, yeah, but he's probably going to get injured. He's injury prone. And that's what happened, a non-contact injury. And sometimes, like, sometimes people are just much more injury prone than others. And we look at OBJ and all the knee injuries. And then we look at other athletes like a LeBron James or a Tom Brady. And we'll stick with the LeBron piece of this. And I was asking my physical therapist about this when I was getting my body right in the PT lab. But sometimes players, they've got the strength, they've got the flexibility, but and then the genetics, the other part is you have to have everything align on contact, right? So if you're jumping up and down like LeBron does like tens of thousands of times in his career, when he lands, it's not all the pressure going on his knee or all the pressure going on his ankle. He's able to kind of absorb the shock throughout his foot, ankle, knee, hip, back, all of it is kind of spread out evenly. And so you don't have all that pressure on a spot like your knee with OBJ, where so much pressure is on it. It's bending one way, non-contact and your ACL, meniscus, something goes out. And it's just kind of what the way some people's bodies are built where they're not able to absorb the shock throughout their body. And I think that's what's going on with OBJ. We see it with Kyrie Irving ever since he was at Duke with his toe and his knee. Some people are just built differently biologically and they're more prone to injury obj goes down but i mean he was on the side he wasn't like freaking out like i think he's really grown and he still seemed locked into the super bowl and he was a big part i mean he had some big plays early in that game he's a big part of why they were at that point and won that game because we saw their offense without him and it was much uh less explosive Number nine, the Rams run game. They ran it and kept running it and kept running it. It's almost like Sean McVay got his hands on one of those stats that says if you run the ball 30 plus times, you win 90% of your games, not realizing it's because the winning teams run the ball a ton late and there's a confounding variable there. But the Rams run it 23 times for 43 yards, 1.9 yards per carry. They're running it every time on first and 10. You kept waiting for this play action deep pass. Didn't really come. Credit to the Cincy defense and their run defense. Coming into it, this wasn't really a, a thing that we looked at. So the rush EPA for the Rams, they're 16th in running the football. So middle of the pack. And then defensively, Cincinnati was 13th. So two middle of the packs. It didn't really set up for someone to think Cincinnati is going to dominate on defense against the run. You thought the Rams defense would, but for Cincinnati's defense to do it, you got to give a ton of credit to that defensive line because it's not like they had a ton of guys in the box. They're out my, uh, Collinsworth was talking about a bunch. Like they are playing a defensive backs, playing them back, and the defensive line just won a lot of those one-on-one -on -one matchups and, and kept tackling the Rams backs in the backfield. Okay, number eight. Was there anything more obvious than the Eli Apple karma giving up the winning touchdown? I mean, talking all the crap after they beat the Chiefs to Tyreek Hill, to Hardman, all that stuff. So was there anything more obvious than Eli Apple giving up a big touchdown? And it's not like he was a bad play. It's not like he got burned for a 70-yard you know, touchdown. He was one-on-one -on -one with Cooper Cup on the outside. Not many corners are going to win that. But still, when you talk all that stuff before the game, so obvious it was going to come back to bite him. And sure enough, it did. Okay, number seven, and apparently this is a hot take, although I don't think so, but the halftime show. Everybody in sports media, everyone on Twitter, blue check mark, everyone. Not saying just that this was a great halftime show, but it was the best of all time. Best of all time? Are we sure? And so I was looking at it, I was like, I think it's pretty good. I thought it was just a 
straight up B plus. I thought everyone was pretty good, but no one was at their peak. There's no big moment. There's like usually in the halftime show, there's some like crazy like something with the stage, something really cool going. I did think it was cool like the the setup and then all the dancers coming dancing around during certain parts, but nothing really stuck out to me as like this is incredible. This is awesome. And I thought it was just, you know, there's no like peak. There's no crazy peak. It felt like, you know, just an 18 out of 20 on like a, a math. It just felt like a straight B plus. It was really good, but it's nothing that I'm going to be like a couple weeks down the road. Like, man, remember that halftime show? That was insane. No. Number six, these quarterbacks are really tough. So Burrow gets sacked, especially Joe Burrow. Burrow gets sacked seven times, five times in the third quarter. So in the first half, the Bengals did a pretty good job getting the ball out early. There weren't a lot of sacks or a lot of pressures. It's kind of Stafford getting pressured more in the first half. And then they just start running through the Cincy O-line in the second half. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure if the shove to Aaron Donald got him angry and he started running through. But then again, you know, they mentioned that on the broadcast, don't get Aaron Donald angry. But it's like, is Aaron Donald not already playing his hardest in the Super Bowl? And so Burrow gets hit. He's got that really bad knee injury where your foot gets stuck under you. Then you're pulled back and your knee is just getting completely strained right there. Stafford had one where his ankle gets bent back. These guys were tough. I, I wasn't sure Burrow was going to come back after that injury, but gets sacked seven times, and dude's really tough. Dude's really tough. That's all I have to say. Number five, receivers in this game were incredible. Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase were unreal. and We saw Chase going up against arguably the best cornerback, gets away from him a few times on that deep bomb. Not only did he beat Ramsey but that catch was incredible catching it like behind his head unbelievable catch he had a couple other catches and runs after catch um, Jamar Chase is the real deal and he's only 21 and we think about Jamar Chase he sat out I think it was his junior his junior year and that was the COVID year he sits that year out and people are talking about is this the right call is this the wrong call we're not going to see another year is he going to get leapfrogged by other receivers that step up doesn't matter he gets picked top of the draft and unbelievable season by him and then Cooper Cup best receiver this year and let me read out a few stats for you this is Cooper Cup in 21 games so we got the 17 regular season games plus the four playoff games 178 catches 2425 yards 22 touchdowns all pro wins the receiving triple crown touchdowns yards catches offensive player of the year most catches in a single postseason, 33. That's a pretty awesome stat when you think of all the great receivers that have gone through uh, playoff runs and the Super Bowl MVP. Cooper Cup, um, just unbelievable. They did a good job highlighting some of the stuff he's so good at. He's a really good blocker, and so when he's running and selling a block on a play action, the defensive backs really bite. And these are the small stuff that like you don't see when you're watching highlights. You just see guys running up and down the sideline, catching and running, you don't see these fake blocks. You don't see these you know, crisp routes. Uh, I think I mentioned this last podcast where he's really good at selling, going inside, going outside, faking the block. He's also really fast, really quick, really good at changing directions in the slot, going inside, going out. Unbelievable season by him. And when Stafford really needed a catch, really needed a completion, it was always to Cooper Cup. Okay, number four, Matt Stafford gets it done. There's questions. Can he get it done the clutch? He did throw two interceptions, although I don't think they were that bad. The one in the end zone, they end up pinning Cincy back on the 10 because the, the bench player runs out on the field. 
But even if it's, you know, it would have been, if he throws it away incomplete, then you punt it and they get it. If it's a touchback, they get it at the 20. Like it wasn't that bad of an interception. The other one was off a receiver's hands. Who knows about that one? But Stafford, his last three years with the Lions was 14-33-1. All right, he wasn't winning a lot of games. He wasn't playing in a lot of big games either. And he comes in and in the big moments, I thought more so against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that final drive. And he made some big throws. He had that final drive, 15 plays, 79 yards, five minutes off the clock. It was a great final drive, and that's what you need. That's what they got Stafford for. That's what Jared Goff is. He's in that spot. You're not sure that he makes that drive. You're not sure that he makes some of those throws to cup, those third down throws, and bailed out on that third and goal. And that leads me in to number three. These last three are the big ones. Third and goal on the Cincinnati eight-yard line. A little kind of like in route by Cooper Cup, and they call holding on the linebacker. Didn't look like holding. The ball also looked like it was thrown well behind Cup. Like there didn't even need to be holding. He had his hands kind of on his hips. But the refs weren't calling anything all game. And for whatever reason, they inserted themselves with two minutes left in the game on the goal line on the biggest play of the game, right? So I didn't think it was a hold. If they don't throw that flag, it's fourth and goal from the eight. They're down four, and they go for it. And that's the game right there. If they get that fourth and goal from the eight, okay, what, what are the chances they get that? 30 35%? If they don't get it, Cincinnati has the ball with 150 left. And basically, if they get a first down, it's all but over. Okay, so in, like it was such a big call on third and goal. I didn't like it at all. It felt fluky. It did not. It just did not feel right. Like it's got to be blatant if you're going to make that call, especially when the ball wasn't very catchable. It wasn't like it was right going to be right in the grasp of Cooper Cup if he wasn't contacted with. I thought that was a really bad call, but. All of this could have been erased, and let's get to number two takeaway. Third and short with about a minute left. Unclear why Samaje Pirine is in for mixing. They run it up the middle. Looks like Pirine's got a little bit of room, and then Donald just pulls him, like arm tackle. He's getting blocked on one side, reaches out an arm, and pulls Pirine back. Look, this is the Super Bowl. This is the biggest, I think I'm pretty confident saying this is the biggest play in Samaj P. Ryan's football career. You have to get that first down. You have to reach the ball out and get it. If you don't get it, it's fourth down and it's a do or die play. You have to get the first down. I thought it was a really bad effort by P. Ryan. You have got to lunge forward somehow, reach out. You have got to at least get close in, like within an inch so you can run a quarterback sneak, but instead they're faced with the fourth and long yard and then Donald goes in and pressures him. But I thought the effort by P. Ryan was really bad and Mixon should have been in, and it was a good play by Donald, but running backs, we talk about how you know they're devalued, all that stuff, but the top running backs, the Dalvin Cooks, the Ezekiel Elliott's, the Fournettes, they get that extra yard, right? So when you're going for that play, your goal is not to have like a five-yard yard. The goal is, no matter what, I'm getting this one yard. If I have to dive forward, if I have to lunge, do whatever, I get that yard. He doesn't do it, and that leads to the number one play, play of the game, fourth and short, you're thinking if the Bengals convert this, they're starting to, you know, right on the fringe of field goal range. And Aaron Donald splits a double team, hits Burrow. Burrow kind of flips it up, and it's incomplete in front of Pirine. And if you watch the play, there's a guy open. So Burrow looks to his left first. Then he's got to go to a different read. He had a guy in the flat. He just didn't feel comfortable throwing that. There's a defender sort of close, but he was open. And you got to make that throw on the biggest play of the game. And if there's a guarantee, if there's any sort of bet of where the Bengals 
who the Bengals pick, what position they pick in the first round of the draft. It's got to be like minus 900 that it's an offensive lineman because there's multiple spots on that O-line where guys are just running through them, like a knife through butter, slicing it up. And so those are my 11 takeaways. The Rams win it. They've got a new kind of precedent of how to win a Super Bowl, trading your draft picks, uh, mortgaging your your uh, future for right now, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham, Stafford, all these guys, just a new formula. Now, I don't think this is like a sustainable formula. Like You're going to see some team that's going to be like, okay, the Rams did it. This is how you do it now. No, I think this is more of like a one-off kind of going all-in type strategy, especially for the Rams when you're in a new city, you want to be good, so you kind of, it's an investment of all this capital to kind of buy fans by being good, being the attract, having the superstars, OBJ, Ramsey, these big names, Stafford, you're kind of investing now to get these fans to stick with you through the rest of their fandom and just kind of stick as Rams fans when, uh, you know, they need fans. You know, they're fighting in LA with the Chargers to get those fans. But that's it. Rams get it done. Sean McVay, I didn't think, like, he had that great of a game plan. I mean, just running the ball so many times, you kept waiting for more play action, but it never came. And it felt like just, you know, I think that's part of the reason why it didn't feel like a fulfilling Super Bowl because, you know, the game just kind of ends on an incomplete pass. Al Michaels didn't seem totally aware that the Super Bowl was just decided in that play. And then also the Rams, like, you know, Sean McVay, like, it just didn't feel like a great performance by the Rams. Um, but I felt like they were the better team. The better team won. You look at their injuries, the receiving core is not just OBJ. The reason they got OBJ is because Robert Woods goes down. And, and so they were decimated in the receiving core, but they're still able to win this game. And, you know, the Rams, the Super Bowl champions. Stafford pays off the meeting in Cancun, all of that. You know, usually don't see that happening where these free agent signings, especially in the NFL, the teams with the big free agent signings, like it just never ends up working out. You you always end up paying a lot more for these big time free agents, these aging stars, but the Rams get it done. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about this. It's so strange. Maybe a few days or a few weeks, it'll feel like, you know, it was a big Super Bowl game. Maybe it's just in the moment, it just kind of felt a little odd. But the Rams Super Bowl champions, no one can take their rings away from them. And Sean McVay at, what, 36 years old has a Super Bowl. And you look at, you know, some of the greats, Belichick, six rings. I mean, what's Belichick, like 66, 70 years old? So, you know, McVay's got 35 years to win five more Super Bowls to tie Belichick at that same age. So that's a Super Bowl every seven years. It's possible, certainly possible. So we'll see. But that wraps up. The NFL season, pretty great season, pretty good playoffs. Can't ask for much more. And uh, we'll be getting into some more basketball later on. Some good guests coming up. But thank you, everyone, for listening throughout the football season. Excited to get into some basketball and some other stuff coming up. So, as always, thank you for listening. Talk soon. See ya.